The wheel of time turns, and ages come and pass. What was, what will be, and what is, may yet fall under the shadow. For centuries, Gleeman have told the tales of the great hunt of the horn. So many tales about each of the hunters, and so many hunters to tell of. Now the horn itself is found, the horn of Valier, long thought only legend, the horn which will raise the dead heroes of the ages, and it is stolen. In pursuit of the thieves, Randall Thor is determined to keep the horn out of the grasp of the Dark One, but he has also learned that he is the Dragon Reborn, the champion of light destined to stand against the shadow time and again. It is a duty and a destiny that requires Rand to uncover and master magical capabilities he never imagined he possessed. to the Pages of Light podcast, your destination for discussions of popular fantasy and science fiction novels from a Christian worldview. My name is Tyler, aka Verum, and with me as always is Gabriel, aka the Quarantine Quartermaster. Welcome back to the podcast, Gabe. How you doing? Doing good. Ready for round four of Robert Jordan. Round four? Oh yes, this will be round four because we did three episodes on book one. Actually, it might be round then, five because we did the episode on the TV show. So, depending on how you want to break it up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're right. Five. <laughs> yeah. This is round five. Four, if we're just counting the books. But, yeah. This is round yes. five. Let's do it. Round five. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, we're going to be continuing uh, The Wheel of Time. We're uh, in book two, which is called The Great Hunt. And, yes, we're going to talk a little bit about. Uh, this book uh, compared to the eye of the world and we'll just kind of walk through the plot a little bit of this book and we'll see how far we get hopefully we'll do about half the book in this episode and then we'll do the second half and the ending in part two and we'll see how far we get we had to do three parts on book one because there was just so much and it was our first kind of foray into the wheel of time so there's a ton of stuff um, to talk about there so since we're now now kind of like in the world and we kind of have our bearings, uh, might be able to uh, be a little bit more streamlined in these ones. Uh, but we'll we'll see. We have to leave room for we'll some see. side quests, of course, Correct. as we do uh, on this podcast. So, all right, yeah. So to kick off, we'll just start off with uh, talking about which book did you prefer, uh, book one, The Eye of the World, or uh, book two, The Great Hunt. Which one did you enjoy reading more Hmm. i'm gonna go with um for reading more i think i'm gonna go with the first book uh the eye of the world um because it it 
opened a new world. Uh, Robert Dor- Jordan like spent a lot of time like, you know, creating the characters and showing like how the magic worked and how his world was built and all the magical creatures like Loyal um, and mm-hmm. like the Fades. You know, that was very cool to like get introduced to everything very new. So I'm going to go with sure. book number one. How about you, Tyler? Cool. Um, I'm going to go with book two. <laughs> I think this one, um, yeah, I think I just liked how the, it was like the plot maybe was a little bit more like focused and like, we kind of knew what was happening the whole time when like, we were like the whole goal of the whole book was to get the horn. And so that was like the goal for the whole book. So it was a little bit more streamlined. Whereas in book one, you didn't necessarily like, like, you know, you're trying to get to, um, Tarvalon or Camelon, um, but you don't really know, like, I didn't really know, understand, like, what the end goal was in book one, and I feel like the, like, the ending of the book just kind of, like, snuck up and be like, oh, and we're done, kind of a thing, so I think this, this second book was a little bit more, this is the goal, here's, we're going along the, along our plot, and we're doing some different things, but, the, like, we still have the main goal in mind, like, we didn't forget about it, um, because they, uh, like they didn't find they don't find the horn to the very end of the book so yeah and we get some interesting new characters in this and some new people um some new places i always like to go see a new place which there was a lot of in book one as well so yeah this was this was a good one so that's gonna be my oh yeah i i like them both um yeah. yeah there's there's a lot of things i like the character development in here and how um yeah i mean they like it, it's a hard choice between the two for sure. Sure. Yeah. The the first one does a really good job of like all the world building. I think it was maybe just like the story structure was the issue I had with the first book, but this was that was the first book in the series, so I'm sure like there's a lot of there's 14 books, so there's a lot of room for improvement on all sorts of levels. So, I'm sure Robert Jordan like you know, got better and better as he kept writing uh, in this world. So, so hopefully the, they, the books just keep getting better from here. All right. Next section, we're just going to do our, or like one of our favorite quotes from the book. Um, I'll go first. So my, one of my favorite quotes from this book was, uh, Lord Agomar talking to Rand in chapter eight. I think this is right before they go um, on the hunt and try to find the horn. And uh, so Lord Agomar says to Rand, he says, do not let the horn seize you, Rand. It can take hold of a man. I know it can. And that is not the way. A man must seek duty, not glory. Um, I thought that was just like some good wisdom from Lord Agomar to young Rand to kind of like make sure his head's in the right place and not to do things because he wants to like do it for himself or to be powerful or to have people adore him or get glory, but he should do it because it's the right thing to do. And that's what he needs to do. Not because of any uh, like personal benefit it's going to give him, um, which I mean, it's good advice now as well. Like you shouldn't do things just to have glory and you should do them because it's the right thing to do. So, yeah, that was that was one of my favorite quotes. Very what nice. do you got? Uh, so this is from Varen Sedai. You are the dragon reborn. 
oh, you can die, but I don't think the pattern will let you die until it is done with you. Then again, the shadow lies on the pattern now, and who can say how that affects the weaving? All you can do is follow your destiny. Baron Sedai Turan. So I picked this quote because um, I think it's interesting how like I think about God and, and our stories in life, um, like God may have a plan, but you know, when it says the shadow lies on the pattern, we live in a fallen world. So um, there are things that will come up and rise against people who are on God's path. Um, you yeah. know, people can be, you know, oppressed by people or by um, even like, um, supernatural forces and it's you know following god isn't always easy and uh so i think it's interesting that we make the mention of like the shadow lies on the pattern so it's we don't yep. live in eden we don't live in heaven where god's will is yep. perfectly done we have to account for you know the devil there is a monster a lion prowling around ready to eat you if if you don't <laughs> pay attention so um yep. yeah that's why i was drawn to this quote yeah it's, that's a good quote all right if you guys have a favorite quote you can leave it leave a comment down below let us know what you what you one of your favorite please quotes do. was yes please do <laughs> um all right now let's just jump into some of the uh like the actual story elements and in the beginning of this book there's actually a it's like it's like before the prologue it's like a little excerpt from an in-world book called i'm gonna butcher this pronunciation but the karathon karathon cycle the prophecies of the koreathon gabe coming in clutch with the pronunciation yep (laughs) the koreathon cycle prophecies of the dragon Yes, this is like an in-world book, and it's a quote uh, similar to uh, Brandon Sanderson's books where he will, especially in the Stormlight Archive, where he will, before each chapter, he will pull small quotes from different things in the world. Um, So for one part of the book, it'll be from an in-world book. From one part, it'll be from a letter from somebody writing to somebody else. Um, So kind of in that same vein. And um, so this is a prophecy about the dragon reborn and uh, it's a little bit long, but I'll just uh, read it here. Uh, it says, and it shall come to pass that what men made shall be shattered and the shadow shall lie across the pattern of the age and the dark one shall once more lay his hand upon the world of man. Women shall weep and men shall quail as the nations of earth are rent like rotting cloth. Neither shall anything stand nor abide. Yet one shall be born to face the shadow, born once more as he was born before, and shall be born again, time without end. The dragon shall be reborn, and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth at his rebirth. In sackcloth and ashes shall he clothe the people, and he shall break the world again by his coming, tearing apart all ties that bind. Like the unfettered dawn shall he blind us and burn us, yet shall the dragon reborn confront the shadow at the last battle. And his blood shall give us the light. Let tears flow, O ye people of the world. Weep for your salvation. Um, 
yeah so that was like a prophecy of what the dragon reborn um is supposed to do and what's supposed to happen whenever he comes um i just thought it might be interesting discussion to talk about like biblical prophecies and um things that uh prophesied the coming of jesus um and some similarities to how this dragon reborn prophecy is uh with rand um so like something um that really stood out to me is like um like he will confront the shadow at the last battle and his blood shall give us the light um that seems like some pretty it's it's very similar to like how jesus's blood um will give us salvation um mm-hmm. and he will jesus will come back at his second coming and confront the shadow for the last time and uh, defeat satan once and for all um I don't know, do you have any thoughts on that quote at all, Gabe? Or oh, yeah, this just... is a good quote. I mean, lots of parallels to the Bible here. Um, it's like it's it's like Jesus, but also it's like mixing in a little bit of the Hinduism, like the, the yes. reincarnation. The Yes. So it's a little bit of a... Um, yeah, hybrid. Uh, mix and match here. Yeah. So And then they use the biblical words like... Um, time without end. You know, I remember saying that when I was uh, doing mass at Cent- Central Catholic here at Pittsburgh. Time without end. And then also there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Like that's a line from the Bible that you mm-hmm. hear a lot. Um, yeah. And so, uh, and yeah, tearing apart all ties that bind. And so Jesus said that, you know, he will break families. Um, Yep. And people should follow him, um, and and they should not be true to like their family or the people. You know, they should be true to him, and yes. you know the dragon reborn is doing the same thing. So, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of like um, biblical words in here and and themes, and then I'll, and it's you know, it's um, our book here. Um, so it's the Koreathon cycle and how it's supposed to happen over and over again time without end yep. um, and then the breaking of the world yeah that's a that was a good good uh good thing to pull in here tyler i approve yeah, <laughs> yeah it's i always like to look for like things like in the in universe like i like i love the little pulls from like in world books i think that's a really cool type of world building to like think about the books that would have been written in that world and what they would have said about the events happening now. Um, I read something about, uh, there's a, there's a book. It's like the world of the wheel of time or something. It was kind of like an encyclopedia of like the wheel of time that came out, like whenever the books were being written. And I think Robert Jordan at one point said to one of the people writing some of the articles like they asked him a question about the universe and like what was real about the history and he told them to just write it like how they thought it would have happened and not like not give him like an actual answer because he wanted the the book to feel like the history is written by fallible people and like so like if like if you're writing if you're reading something from a historian that historian has a particular perspective on the events that are taking place and he may sure. or may not history see the whole picture by right the winners what's yeah. that history is uh told by the winners is something that we say in yeah exactly class. so if you're 
if you're reading something from a historian, you may not be getting the full picture or even the whole truth, right? So I think that's um, interesting that he kind of, and that's some people like didn't like that because it's supposed to be like an encyclopedia, but that was like kind of his philosophy on it. And I thought that was like an interesting little uh, tidbit about how he thought about uh, like the world building and stuff. Yeah. So Hey, it's true to life. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why we like him as an author is like he, yeah, like he deeply considers like the way that his characters will be feeling in a given situation. Yes. Indeed. Um, yeah, so that was before the prologue. Now we can jump into like the actual prologue in which we have, um, in the book, it just refers to him as, uh, the man called Bors. Is that what the man who calls himself Bors? Um, because everybody at this meeting is like hidden, like their identities are not, uh, shared with us. Um, although there's like hints that you can find about who the people are based on, um, him looking at who the, all of the people around him are. Um, and this is basically just like a big group of a bunch of dark friends like getting together and uh, Baelzaman shows up and he uh, forces everybody everybody to worship the dark one whether they want to or not and then he like um, there's this scene where he like speaks into the minds of all of the people I'm, I think it was the, the actual dark one who's doing it not um, Baelzaman who is one of the forsaken um, but like he speaks into all of their minds about like a task for each of them to, uh, do for him. Um, were you going to say something there? Yeah. I just thought I, I'm, I was thinking that Bialzaman was the dark one and they, that was just the Trollic name for him. And then his true name is Shaitan. So I thought that okay. he was appearing to them, the dark sure. one at this place. And then also speaking into their minds yeah i just thought that was an interesting scene like the dark one like speaking into the minds of of the people there which is like i'm imagining like how satan does those kinds of things in our own mind or maybe it's not that he's directly speaking to us but like he like the things that we think in our mind like he manipulates into kind of doing or like one making us want to do the things that we shouldn't do instead of uh pursue the things that are uh, good and, and are of God. So mm-hmm. like, it's almost like you're forced to do it. Um, uh, yeah, we'll talk about in just a minute here. There's a, like the, the passage where Paul says like the things I want to do, I do not do them and all, and all that kind of stuff, even though he wants to do good, but he like physically can't because of his sin nature. Um, we will get to that in a second though. Um, so yeah, this was yeah this was a really cool scene to open up the book um yeah and i love that we we see inktar um who is a dark friend we learned at the very end of the book he is in the opening pages um they talk about a man from um a shinaran man looking for a sword that's obviously not on his belt and that's inktar uh, and then he gets his instructions from the Dark Lord, and he just looks very confused. Um, and he speaks up at one point and talks, um, like, in front of everyone. Uh, and then in when we go back to Faldara, like, they said, oh, Inktar, he's been away for days, like, on a, on a hunt or something. Uh, mm-hmm. And now he's coming back. So you... 
it, it never unfolds until like the final few chapters in the book but i love that that little nugget was placed at the like in the opening pages of the book interesting um, i don't that, think i i don't think i picked up on that <laughs> oh trust me really... it was like the it was like the third time that i listened to it i was like yep that's that's inktar he's right there He's, okay, that is a, a that is a revelation for me. I I must have missed the, the is there a reveal at the end of the book too? That we well, know that no, he's a no. Dark I mean, but they like it, it's Robert Jordan building in like okay, so there's a Shinarin, which sure. they're in Faldara, which is where all these people yes. are, um, and it just you know, it, and then Inktar is coming back from like a hunt, like he's been off, you know. Sure off the map for a few days. I mean, I don't think it's explicitly said, but I think you're, mm-hmm. uh, if you read it closely, you can deduce this thing. Um, so I thought, you know, and, yeah. and like I said, I don't read the books, you know, um, I, I do read the books, but I just use yeah. my ears and, um, yes, I like to listen to things multiple times because you get to, um, you get to find those little nuggets in there that the author leaves for you. Um, and then, like I don't pick them up until the second or third time hearing the book because they're so yeah. discreet and well disguised, but they're in there, um, and that's why I like, and that's why I like listening to the book multiple times. It's really helpful for me. Man, that's crazy. I was gonna, I read the whole book like thinking Ingtar is like a super awesome character. Now I don't like him because he's a dark friend. <laughs> Come on, yeah. man, that's lame. <laughs> um, maybe that's like. Maybe that's how they were able to get the attack off on uh, Faldara because Inktar is the in, the insider. Yeah, he says he does say that at the end. He says that he let the the little man in, and he's like, "I still don't know if the arrow was meant for you, ran the the dragon, or if it was for the Amerlin seat." Um, so uh, Inktar does let the guy in, but I don't know if he also let in the people who, you know, or the Trollocs and the Fades or whatever. Um, yeah, because he is fighting a fade at one point, but you know he's yeah. he's a double agent, so he has to has to maintain his cover. <laughs> yeah. Oh, crazy! I didn't realize that. Well, thank you for illuminating me. Uh, <laughs> Let there like, be illumination. There's, there's like with these epic fantasies, like there's so many things like that that you may you might miss when you first read it. So. Oh, yeah. I didn't catch it the first time. I don't even think I caught it the second time. I was like, and I was ready for the prologue the third time. I was like, okay, yeah. All right. All right. This, yeah. I was like, who is the Shinarn who's a dark friend at the end of the book? We know it's Inktar. Yeah. So, um, yeah. he's, he's got to be the one who was there. All right. Well, that's too bad because I liked him. But we <laughs> must move along. Um, so speaking of Faldara, so we're in, uh, at the beginning of the book, we're in Faldara. And, uh, so all of our party members are back in Faldara and, uh, it seems to me like there has been some time that has passed since the ending of the eye of the world. Um, cause Rand yeah, I would has say like been, maybe weeks to months. Yes. Cause like Rand has been training with, uh, Lan on how to use the sword um sure and clearly he is a capable swordsman because of what happens uh at the end of the book um which we will get to um but yeah so clearly some time has passed um and so rand is basically wrestling with 
he's trying to decide if he should stay or if he should leave um, because he doesn't want uh, his friends to be in danger anymore because he thinks the the Trollocs and everybody are still just going to be after him um, because I think deep down he knows he's the Dragon Reborn, although nobody's um, explicitly said it to him, but I think he knows, um, but he just doesn't want to accept uh, the responsibility of this or like he doesn't want it to be true um and so he's yeah. wrestling with this um and while this is all happening uh there's an attack on faldara which <laughs> apparently inktar let the people in uh crazy and uh yeah so this is when uh pot on fane escapes his jail cell he's able to he attacks matt and Egwene who are down there in the jail cell as well and i think he he also kills the two guards that were down there as well, I think, uh, in a pretty gruesome fashion from what I remember. Um, and Yeah, but we don't find them until they're pursuing Padon Thane. I think they yeah. were, like, flayed or something, like, yeah. and then they had to, like, cut them down, um, like, Inktar's group of people. But, yeah, that does – I think there are guards killed in Faldara, but specifically the two – captors were taken with him um Mm -hmm. yeah on the on the march away with the with the horn yeah um yeah do you have any thoughts on just like rand we're gonna talk about like rand uh like dealing with him being the dragon reborn like he talks to the amaralyn seat and moraine and they basically just like It was, it was a good chapter. They basically just like lay it out on all on the line and they're like, okay, here's the deal. Here's the prophecies. This is you, you are the dragon reborn. And they just basically tell him straight up. Um, and so Rand is like, nah, that's not true. You're just, you're trying to manipulate me. (laughs) You're trying to, uh, get me to do what you want me to do. This is not actually true. Um, and he's very reluctant to accept the responsibility of being the dragon reborn. Um, I don't know any thoughts on that, that whole scene. I thought it was a pretty cool scene. Just them like going through all of the different prophecies and stuff. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I thought, yeah, it, like the, um, and then there was also like a lot of the background talk with like the, the different eyes yep. to die that were there. And there's like uh, yep. information being exchanged between like Verum, uh, not Verum, you're Verum. <laughs> Verum. Um, Varin Sedai, um, yes. and Moraine, and the Honorland Seat, and Leandrin. Um, but yeah, it, it, I mean, it was just, uh, they were trying to catch Rand off guard, and he walked in there kind of acting like a noble lord, because Lan had kind of taught him these skills, and then Lan was like, yeah, I, I don't know why, I just, you know, he felt like the pattern had kind of led him to teach Rand those things, because um, mm-hmm. he was all about telling um you know don't act like a pup when you go in there you know stand yeah. tall and um yep. you know don't be bullied around and so it it yep. turned out well for rand i think yeah i, I like the i like lan kind of sh- trying to show him the road so it doesn't look like a fool basically because i mm-hmm. mean he's still a kid right he's i don't remember their ages actually were they like 16 or something? Yeah, That's I'm not probably sure, entirely sure either. But yeah, I feel like they're in their between 15 Mid- and 20. Mid-teens. 
Yeah. Yeah. Mid late teens. Yeah. Um, yeah. So with this uh, scene, I thought we could do like a little bit of discussion about like just the reluctance to accept responsibility. And like, that's something that like I do, I'm sure you've done in the past. Like all people mm-hmm. have certain things that they know they should do, or they know I do it how today. they should act. Yeah. <laughs> And like, but they just were like, they just don't want to do it or they don't want to accept it or they would rather do something that is more selfish or more expedient or, um, you know, whatever it is. Um, and that could be something similar that we do like as Christians as well. Like we don't want to, um, do the things that God wants us to do. Like we can read, read the Bible and we know what it says, but we just choose not to do not to do the things that it says um and that's partly because of our sinful nature and that we are sort of like the side r i think it is the male side um of the one power like it's tainted like there's a taint um Mm -hmm. on our souls in a sense um our sinful nature that we won't fully be able to get rid of until um we are given our new bodies. Um, so there's a uh, passage. So, uh, so in, I just looked it up. Sidene is the male half. Sidar okay. is the female half. Okay. So Sidene, yes, there's a taint on the Sidene. Um, but yeah, there's a passage in uh, uh, Romans uh, chapter 7, 13 through 20. Um, this is Paul. He's kind of like Paul sometimes writes run on sentences (laughs) but stick stick with it here um so it says um did that which is good then bring death to me by no means it was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure for we know that the law is spiritual but i am of the flesh sold under sin for i do not understand my own actions for i do not do what i want but i do the very thing i hate Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law. That is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want... It is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Oh, man. <clears throat> Every time I read that passage, it's Bravo, like a tongue sir. twister. And I was like, you can never get through it in one one shot without screwing up. It's like impossible. There's too many small words that repeat themselves. And you're like, yes. am I saying this wrong? <laughs> like, am I on the previous sentence or on, am I on this sentence? Yes. Okay, so why did you uh, why did this uh, quote from Romans um, come to your mind when you think about this? Um, I think it just highlights like our sin nature, and Paul's basically saying like, "There's things that I want to do that I don't do, basically, and it's because of our sinful nature." Um, and I've it it's not like a direct pa- parallel parallel to like what Rand is dealing with because I don't know, although. I guess technically there's like a taint on the one power, like a sinful kind of portion on it, which is why they go insane. 
Um, but I think it just kind of points to our reluctance um, because of our sinful nature and because like we want to rebel um, that we don't do the things that we should do. Um, so that's kind of why this passage. Yeah. Stood out and to I me. think it calls, you know, it, 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 if, if you're following the Bible and you want to like make yourself more of God and to sanctify yourself, you, you have to realize that this is the struggle that you're up against, that you're not going to want to do it. And it's not, you know, you can have a heart for it, but you also need help from God. Like you can pray for help. You can ask God to change yep. your heart and soften your heart. I know one of the things that I really struggled with was forgiveness. Um, so I was in this group and um, I was asked very unceremoniously to leave uh, my wife and I, and there was leadership there. And um, I just felt like it was handled so poorly. Um, and man, like the Bible tells you to forgive people in that situation. And hmm. man, I was so mad, um, you know, at this group for asking us to leave. And I was like, I thought we were going to get along and be friends. And um, oh man, yeah, I still struggle with that. Some days it's good, some days it's bad, but um, yeah. yeah, the Bible tells us to forgive. So that's one of my personal struggles in this situation is I think like yeah. how like my heart does not want to let me forgive, um, yeah. but I am called to do it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the the struggle is like accepting the cost like to us, um, like for Rand, like he doesn't want to accept like everything that being the Dragon Reborn comes with. So that's gonna mean like he's gonna have to do some difficult things and people around him might die or he might get hurt or there's, there could be like a million different things that happen um, if he accepts this responsibility. And I think we do um, some things because we don't want uh, the things we think might happen to happen. It's like if we don't do what God wants us to do, then, you know, maybe uh, we might lose a relationship or um, uh, people might look at us weird <laughs> or you know whatever it is like some of the things that are like super small and petty and some things could be really big uh and important um but that doesn't that doesn't uh reduce the fact that it's still something that we're called to do i guess so yeah it's do you want to hear a really funny microcosm of this so sure. like we're called to like give the best to people and I do 3D printing, and I have these things called Nautilus gears, which are just kind of like a fidget, um, mm -hmm. and they kind of like rotate. And mm -hmm. I had printed about five of these, and one just was like so, this is the thing, um, if you see it moving there. Um, yeah. One was so much better, and I was like, I wanted to keep it. And I was just like, it's just a piece of plastic. It's an hour and 45 minutes. But I was like, it, I was like, it flows so nice. It feels so much better than the other ones. And I was like, just give yeah. it up. Just give it up. And then I was, I was in this struggle, seriously, yeah. 10 minutes. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to give it to the person who asked for it, which happened to be my boss. I was like, I'm going to give it. I'm going to say, this is my best one. Please enjoy it. But it was a struggle to just like give it up. Yeah. I was like, I wanted it for myself. But I was like, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to give out the good ones because there will yep. be more. There will yep. be more. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's always a struggle. And 
Yeah, I think that's something that like we can empathize with in with Rand in this story, like not wanting to do, not wanting to do something that you know you should do. Like I think everybody that's like a universal struggle of humanity is not taking responsibility for things that we should. Um, and that's one of the reasons like that's why fantasy stories are so great because it takes things from real life and real people's situations and brings them into a fantastical realm so you can uh, like empathize with those characters um, in the midst of this crazy kind of story that's going on around so yeah good stuff any other thoughts on that no I <laughs> we we talked about a bunch <laughs> yeah yeah all right so that's good um, so where were we they uh, yes they had stolen the horn so Padon Fane has taken the horn and he is on the run and this is this is basically the whole point of the book. They are they are hunting for the horn because uh, Padon Fane and his little group of Trollocs and Fades and Murdrals and, and alike, Dark Friends and Dark Friends, a bunch of not good people in his little posse, and they're basically just they basically take the horn, they just like book it, and they're just running, essentially. And so now we have a. Uh, a posse going out from uh, Faldara. So we have uh, Rand, Matt, Perrin, Inktar, Huron, and uh, although Varen Sedai comes later, she doesn't go with the party at the beginning. If I'm not, if I'm yep, you're correct. Think, rem- remembering correctly, right? So she shows up a little bit later. She doesn't initially go uh, with them. Um, so it's those. What is that? Six. So those six kind of main characters, I guess I would say in the party. And then a bunch of other, um, Shinarin. How did you pronounce that again? Shinarin. Shinarin. Shinarin soldiers. So I think there's like 20 of them. So we got like a group of like 25, 30 people in this whole group here. Um, and so basically they're like tracking the, uh, pot on Fane and the horn, which is, um, a cool introduction for this other character. His name's Huron. He's what they call a sniffer, which means he can like smell blood or um, I'm trying to remember all the different things that he's can he he's can able smell to like, violence. Track. Violence, right? Right. He so could he could smell violence. Right. So he's able to basically allow them to follow this group. Basically, no matter how far away they are, as long as the events that had taken place like were close enough in time that he was able to see like the previous violence, something like that. Yeah, he was to... saying like there was like a like a half life basically. So if someone yes. had been like physically abusive, it would be around for like a day. But if someone like had been murdered yeah. or something, it'd be like a weeks or something. And yes. Um, and then there's Fane has a particular smell that Huron's like, I've never smelled the like of it before, but it yeah. smells terrible. He's like a so fully can... corrupted dark friend or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on just like the party going after the horn? There's a few scenes and little stops along the way. That were yeah, some cool, so, some cool stuff yeah, that that's when we there. learned that uh, Thane has sort of evolved. Um, so I think you mean Thane one, with an F. Yeah. Uh, Thane. Is it Thane or Fane? Fane with an F. Fane. 
Sorry, when I don't hear it or when I don't see it, sometimes. It gets oh yeah, because you're always listening. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes it blends together. Fane. So that's when we learn that Fane has evolved into something new, because there is a murdered Murdral uh, that they find, and oh, yeah. then the, such the cool, cool little detail of how the uh, the cloak moved in the wind. Versus in the first book yes. when the Murdral's yes. living and it's unaffected by the wind. Um, so that was really cool. And then what could do that to a fade? I think Rand or Matt, her parent, asks. And um, so we learn about that. And at the end of the book, it's revealed that he has, like, kind of, like, become Mordith from the first book. Because um, like he has they, the dagger. Yeah, because he has the dagger, and so he's like part Mordith, part, part on Thane, and so he's like this new kind of creature. And then, like at the end of the book, you hear him being like, "It's been so long, it's been so long," and I think that's like the Mordith side of him, like saying how he's been trapped in Shadar Logoth for sure. hundreds and hundreds of years, and he's yep. been waiting. He's like just a little bit longer. He's like giving himself a pep talk. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was uh, interesting. And then there was one more thing um, that I wanted to say. If I think of it, uh, I will. I will come back to it. Might have been about Huron, but that's where I'll leave it at the moment. Well, there was also the cool scene where I think they went to some like village or whatever, and like all the people were gone, and like Rand's going into. He goes into like one of the buildings and he gets like this um vision or something where he sees like the people that were there i'm I'm having a little bit trouble remembering all the specifics of that but there were some interesting scenes along the uh the way that they uh uh as they're hunting with the horn um something that else that kind of happens throughout this book is there's a bit of like a a a tiff a spat uh falling out between rand and matt and perrin because at the beginning of the book rand is like i need to leave i need to go off on my own and so i can not have uh, my friends get hurt anymore and so he basically like tells off Matt and Perrin and Loyal to like leave him alone and to like not follow him anymore Um, because I think he said that he was going to leave and they were like oh well we'll come with you you know and he was like no you can't come with me and he said a bunch of mean stuff to them and so like they it's like the classic thing like where you have a dog that's trying like you you're trying to help the dog but in your attempt to help the dog you have to throw rocks at it or something to get it to go away because you want to save its life um, so that's like basically what Matt, or that was, that's what Rand does to, uh, his friends. And, uh, yeah, they get kind of mad at him. So you kind of get that throughout the book where they're basically like are ignoring him for half the journey. Um, and he'll like try to, he'll ride up to the front to where they are and then they'll just ride to the back. <laughs> they'll be like, anywhere you are, we're going to go the opposite way. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that happened in like, um, Faldara, they were like playing cards or something and yeah talking how matt was really good with his chances and stuff and um mm-hmm. 
but yeah, they they took it to heart. Um, and then they're like, "Oh, he's gonna be Lord Ran now. Oh, yeah, he's the Lord right. Ran because he has all of his clothes replaced by um, <laughs> yes, Moraine." Yeah. And she like, um, she's like, oh, by the way, now you just have like these super fancy clothes that only like <laughs> the rich people rich would people have. Rich people would have, yeah, yeah. And he's like, I'm not, which does, I'm not a lord. Which does play in later to the story when they get to uh, Karian. Um, Karian, yeah. So, but we'll get to that. That's probably going to be in part two. So stay tuned for that discussion. Um, yeah, so it was sad that he did it to loyal too because loyal's always been so nice to rand to rand and oh yeah he just like like why you got to do that to loyal man that's so mean and <laughs> yeah. i understand what you're trying to do but like man that's you could just tell oh. like loyal was very sad about what rand had said to him he's like why would you do that that's not very nice yeah. um yeah <clears throat> i think loyal's a bit more forgiving than uh Oh, for sure. His, uh, oh, and the whole reason that Rand uh, is coming is because Matt's life is in danger. I don't think we've said that yet. but um, Oh, yes. Yeah. His whole motivation was like, oh, I've got to help my friend. I've got to help Matt yep. because if he doesn't have the dagger um, from Shadar Logoth, which has been like bound to him, then he will die. So that's the whole reason yep. Rand is, is riding out with the party and not going yep. off by himself. Yeah. <clears throat> yes, because Matt has to get the dagger back. That's he right. He needs it. He is linked to it. Um, yes, that's basically they're going along the the hunt. They're they're going pretty pretty hard because they're trying to catch up to the other people. And uh, there's a portion, or there's a scene where they take a break for the night. I can't remember if it was night or not, but it actually doesn't matter. I think so. Yeah, I think it was a night. And so they're all sleeping, basically, and somehow they... So it's uh, Rand, Loyal, and the Sniffer, Huron, go through what's called a portal stone, and they go to uh, a different world, which is sort of... It's like a mirror universe, in a sense, where it's like things are, at least this particular mirror universe is similar to their current world, but just slightly different, where different things in history may have happened to make the world different than what it is uh, where they where they uh, started from. So, um, yeah, they go through this portal, and uh, I'm trying to remember the description. I just, in my head, I was imagining it like, everything was like all the colors were muted in a way like everything was yep, like washed darker. out looking yeah <clears throat> um which obviously gives it away that they're in some other place and they sent they spend like the first um portion of being in there like looking for their friends until they realize well we're somewhere in, somewhere else and we don't know what's happening so which is, yeah. I think it's a pretty cool, pretty cool uh, scene, pretty cool portion of the book where they get to kind of explore this other world. It's kind of like the ways in a sense. Um, it's like a like a yeah, and I think they talk about dimension. how like um, yeah. So it, it it's kind of like um, 
in a way, it's kind of like Marvel's multiverse. Like um, they kind of describe it as like a reality that could have happened. However, how it's different from the Marvel, you know, um, everything in the multiverse in the Marvel uh, arena is very real. And here it's like the less likely that this would happen, like the like the more faded out it is. So the reality that this portal stone took them to was like not likely to happen. And that's why everything was kind of like washed out. And then we learned later that the Aes Sedai had kind of studied portal stones and that's how they were able to um, create the ways. So it was like kind of the study of these different worlds. Um, And yeah, this was like a really cool idea. Um, and so basically, Ran activated it somehow through um, Sidene um, because the portal stones can only be used by the one power, yeah. uh, which is very interesting because we have a very mysterious character who oh, do we, we don't know how ended up in. Um, Would you, you mind know, telling us about stone. this mysterious character? Oh, this mysterious character is um, Celine. I I have a theory about Celine, but we're, we'll just talk about her as a uh, as a character. So yeah. they're like traveling for days, I think, in the in the other world, and they're just like, well, we just gotta we just gotta keep going. And here yeah. in the whole time is like, I can smell Thane, and then yeah. there's this weird like dialogue where he's like, I'm smelling where he's going to be, and yes. so they are like tracking him through time and space, like something out of Doctor Who. Um, but the whole time that they are like going through this world, they are not meeting anyone. There is nobody. It is a dead, desolate wasteland. And all of a sudden there's this piercing scream, ah! like I'm, someone's being murdered. And Rand's like, I'll take care of it. And he goes and he dashes <laughs> off. Um, and he finds a woman there being attacked by a creature called a grome, which is like a, like a frog bear hybrid with three eyes. And then the way you kill them is you take an arrow and you get into the void and you shoot the arrow into their middle eye and they drop like stones. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then Celine is like, like the epitome of like cold beauty. She is unflappable. Like she's like, my Lord, the only way you can kill them is if you hit them between the third eye. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then Rand is, like, very attracted to her, and he gets, like, very uncomfortable when he sees her, like, Well, she's being being purposely seductive, too, so. Oh, yeah. To be fair. And then, oh, yeah, and then she's also, like, you know, Rand is very uncomfortable because he's not used to being in these situations, and he's very attracted to her. Um, And she is just, like, she's kind of, like, this hot and cold, like, she's, like, Imagine it, Rand, you holding the horn and me by your yep. side, yep. like whispering the things that he wants to hear and like tempting him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, um, so, okay, we're going to go through escaping back into the real world. Um, so they yeah, we're go are the, being... Pull the, pull the, go through all this time on the portal stone and then we'll go... Uh, to Egwene and Nynaeve. We'll go do that little section. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So, they're tracking the uh, the horn. And then Celine is revealing all this, like, 
I wouldn't say forbidden knowledge, but definitely like esoteric. Like she is more well versed than um yes than loyal and loyal. All loyal does is read, and she knows more than loyal. Um, so and she knows about the grome. Um, mm-hmm. and it seems like she's and, been there for a a bit because she knows about yeah. things in there and yeah, what's going on. So. Um, and then she's like, um, they're, they're tracking Thane and they're trying to find a way out. And then they're being chased by a new like pack of Grome. And then they find a second portal stone and they kind of like, uh, they Rand activates it and then they are able to escape. And then there's this whole power shift where Huron, um, views Rand as a Lord even yeah. though Rand's like, I'm not a lord. And he's like, <laughs> um, and Rand describes uh, Huron's thought process like, you know, lords are there to take care of the, the problems of the common people. And he's like, place this. And so Rand is, you know, taking responsibility. Like he is supposed to be yep. taking care of his people. And so Huron yep. is saying like, I trust you, Lord Rand. And he's like, don't call me Lord Rand. But yep. um, it's this interesting power dynamic that evolves. Um that Rand yep. has become the leader, the leader in this yeah. position. And, um, Huron's like, okay with it. And he's like, okay, I'll follow you and you're going to get me yeah. out of this and I'll keep doing what you, what I'm good at, which is yeah. smelling stuff. I think, um, I think Rand has like, he has like the leadership qualities. Like he has the decision-making and like the ability to like plan ahead to make good decisions, but he doesn't necessarily want like the title and like, he he has the leadership qualities, but I don't think he wants the responsibility of like being the leader. You know what I mean? Sort of like how he doesn't want to be the dragon reborn. He like, wants to just sink back into obscurity. That's what yeah, he wants. Yeah, he just to wants do. to go back to the way things were, basically. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> all right. Did I miss anything else relevant in the portal world? Uh, I think one thing I liked in the portal world was whenever he has to shoot those grooms. And he is like the best shot with the bow and arrow, like ever. Like he hits oh, yeah. all three of them with one, like one arrow each, directly in their eyeball as they're running at them at them. Which he's obviously channeling and using that to make the arrow fly straight and where it needs to go. Mm-hmm. Um, which is actually depicted in the TV show where he is going. He like whenever they're at Faldara and he's going to practice uh, shooting his arrows, whenever he starts to channel the arrows, they are bullseyes every time. So it's a cool scene in the, in the show. It if is. If you haven't seen and, it yet. Uh, and um, yeah. And then uh, Celine starts talking about like the oneness, which is what Rand calls the void. And mm-hmm. she's like, she's telling him, like, you need to clothe yourself in this. Like, you need to be in the oneness at all times and kind of like coaching him to, like, use his void. And yeah. Rand is very much like on the fence about using the void because when he enters the void, Sidine is there and calls to yeah. him. And he's very opposed with his two rivers nature, very stubborn. Um, yep. You know, it could uh, what do they say about Two Rivers people? That they could teach stones. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so he doesn't want to use the power, but when he enters the void, it, it's there and it calls to him. Um, 
And he's and also then... afraid of going insane, right? He doesn't want to Oh yeah, yeah. channel and use Sidene and then further his uh process of insanity, right? Like he doesn't want that to happen. So he yep. thinks like if I don't give into it, then I'll extend the amount of time that I have a sound mind, right? So and yeah. uh, then we cross back into the real world. And just to finish up with Celine, um, they ride by this big excavation that's going on and uh, they stay the night at an inn. And then they're going to go on to Karian and she leaves Rand a note that says, I'll see you in Karian. Yeah. And she just kind of drops off the map at that point in the book. Yeah. Yeah, and I think she said that they should try to get to Karian when they're in the portal stone. So that was like their plan from the beginning, I think, whenever they got whenever they got out. Because I think she said she said something about like she's a a lady there or something, or yep. she's somebody mm-hmm. special she did, in Karian. She she did claim that. That's right. She claimed because it. when they get there, everyone's not- like, "Who are you talking about?" Yeah, because Rand's like talking to the guy and he's like, I've explained to you 14 times what she looks like. How can you not have found out where she lives or whatever? (laughs) Yeah, so everything about her is just mysterious. So so we're not sure. And we don't. I'm trying to remember, we don't really get any more answers to the rest of the book, do we? Of like, nope. So should I do my theories now? I've got theories. Um, If they do, I wait till. Are they? They're about they ha- Celine and her identity. Do they include conversations about stuff in Karian? Because we'll do that on the next episode. If not, you can continue. I, I, I'll um, I can wait. I'll wait. You can wait. We'll All talk right. about it next episode. I'll tell you my thoughts. Stay tuned for part two <laughs> to hear Gabe's theories on who Celine is. Yep. No spoilers in the comments. Don't leave a comment ruining stuff. Don't do that. That's no fun. Yeah, Tyler, aka Verum, does not like spoilers. I am, um, I'm like, meh. It's all right with me. <laughs> it's it's I, it's dangerous I, to browse the wikis. Do it at your own yep. peril. <laughs> um. Yes. Okay. So they go. Uh, they escape out of the out of the other world, but they figure out. So when they travel through the portal stone, they come out like way ahead of where pot on fane is and the rest of the uh the group that they left um so before they get to karian well actually we're going to talk about this in the next episode so we'll do that because they steal Should the horn back to from pot on and Nynaeve? yeah they steal the horn back from pot on fane after they get through the portal stone before they go to karian actually Right. Yep. And Loyal's like the big guy who's like carrying the whole chest, which yeah, is that's enormous right. and super but, heavy. Yeah, we'll talk about that in the next episode. Um, first, and this will be our, like our last section uh, for this episode, and then we'll move on to the on to episode two, where we'll finish the book. Um, so this last section is we'll just talk about Egwene and Nynaeve at the White Tower, um, because whenever Rand. Uh, Matt Perrin here in the whole party they're off hunting the uh, the horn the uh, uh, Egwene and Nynaeve and Moraine and the Amaryllin Sea they all go back to Tarvalon and this is where uh, Nynaeve and Egwene can start uh, training to become Aes Sedai and um, 
So Nynaeve, um, because I think she's, because of how powerful she already is, they're basically going to allow her to try and skip like the novice phase and go straight to like the middle tier, which is the accepted. So it goes novice, accepted, full eyes to die. Um, right. So I think that's kind of the... And yeah, just basically because she's already super powerful, they're not going to make her go through the novice phase. Yeah, I really like, like the scene like on the boat where they're going to Tarvalin, and um, she like the Amarlin seat comes in, and like she she levitates like Egwene and Nynaeve, and Nynaeve's like Nynaeve's like, don't you do that to me? And she like <laughs> pins the Amarlin seat like down like on the ground, and then they like can't move, like they're both like frozen. And then the Amarlin seat's like, I just cut you off from the two true source. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so she is powerful. And um, so in order for her to go through these, or in order for her to skip the novice, she has to pass the, like, the accepted trials. Um, I should just bring these up so I don't forget what they are. Oh, please do, um, because these are these are really good things. Yeah. I know the first one is, like, a maze or something. She's in, like, she's trying to find her way out. Um, so I'll just do a little bit of setup while sure. um, Tyler's pulling this up. So uh, there's a ritual that um, to move from novice to accepted that you have to go through um, with. Um, it's like a sort of angrial. It was like a um, an ancient relic from the Age of Legends that uh, when the Aes Sedai would touch it, they weren't sure what it did initially. And now it's become the centerpiece of this um, ritual. And basically, the, when you touch this stone or you go through it, um, and they always say, the way back comes but once, and don't miss mm -hmm. it, yep. um, that like you will be shown things that are like near and dear to you, and then the whole objective to, beco objective to become upset, the accepted is to deny those things and choose being a sister and a nice to die <clears throat> over these different yep. paths uh, that yes. you could have gone down. And some Aes Sedai get lost in the stone and never return um, because they do say that the way back comes but once. And then another weird quirk is you're not supposed to be able to channel in there. And if you do, you might burn yourself out and never be able um, to use the one power again. Yep. Thank you for the, the floor setup. floor is yours. <clears throat> yep. <laughs> cool. Yeah, so there's like three rings is what it says here in the wiki um and so the first ring yeah like you said transports her to a giant maze where she uh battles a facsimile of agonor who is the forsaken that they fought at the end of the eye of the world uh at the eye of the world um uh yeah so she's basically battling him and she's she's winning um but the thing is she can't finish him off she has to leave um and then the second one um they're more like personal and so those are the first one is that she gets a vision of being back at emma's field um because emma fields is in trouble and she needs uh to go and help them um but of course she has to leave like she can't go back to emma's field she has to stay and uh become an Aes Sedai 
And if, well, she doesn't have to stay, <laughs> but if she wants to be an Aes Sedai, she has to forsake uh, her responsibility to Emmonsfield, right? Because she was the wisdom of Emmonsfield, so it's hard for her. This is like her finally accepting, like, I am no longer the wisdom of Emmonsfield. Like, I have to leave that chapter of my life behind, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last one and she does is, say that in Faldara, I think, to Egwene. She's like, you don't need yeah. to call me wisdom, and Egwene is very like, huh? Like, what does yeah. that mean? Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, but I'm still. It's hard for her to like, because that was like why she even not came to on mention the adventure the, in the first place, right? Yeah, and not to mention the re, the the wisdom that has replaced her is like poisoning people and like making herself like. She she like intentionally like hurts people who disagree with her. Um, oh, that and that's she's what bullying was in the people. Yeah, that was what was in the vision, and yeah. um, and she finds out all this, and they're like, "Please come back and be our wisdom again." And she was like, "The I way cannot. out comes but once." That's right. And she looked for the arches, and she left. <clears throat> um, and then the last one is, um. She gets a vision with herself, uh, with Lan, and they are married with children, and um, and happy, and happy, yeah. So, yeah, it's if you watched the uh, the Wheel of Time TV show, like the very last episode where Rand is shown like a Gwen with a a child and their baby, and like the Forsaken is like tempting Rand essentially to like. You can, this is the future you can have it's like basically that same kind of a scene where they're showing Nynaeve uh, something that she wants and something that she would love to have and she uh, loves Lan and she wants that type of future for herself but she has to say no to the things that she wants in order to uh, become a, a true Aes Sedai so what did you think of like like the whole process of these trials like just the whole like purpose of them and like denying basically like denying your own desires and your own uh wants in order to achieve something like higher i guess is kind of well, it, show, it. it shows you're committed if yeah. you can do that and then um you know it's, it's just um you know we're we're asked to do that for our god and our christian journey is to deny yourself and Indeed. um to and to drop the um the ways of the flesh um mm-hmm. and pursue a, a spiritual life with god and to do the things his way and not your own yep. um so i mean there's validity in in this sort of process is because we do want these things um and like you know even like in the in the three trials that she went through like um no like the third one specifically like giving up something that you thought you could have um there it's even harder because she's showing a life where she's happy with kids and like she's it like it was successful and it wasn't like a gamble like um but you know sometimes you have to give up things for god that you weren't expecting to um like, or like that you you personally want to do and then because that could be like a big dream or it could be like small things it all depends on um 
yeah. on on your on your journey with with God. Um, so I definitely think that there's validity in, in having um, denial. But what's nice is when you follow God, things start to work out. And I remember this quote from this pastor uh, who is who has since passed, um, but he said. When you follow God, when you first start following God, you feel like you're going in the wrong direction. Um, and I really have seen that pan out in a way that, like, when I started pursuing God and investing in my relationship with him by spending more time in the Bible and doing groups and everything, like, I was also severing ties with people um, that were not healthy for me and not moving me towards my relationship with Christ, but either keeping me in a holding pattern or uh, moving me away from Christ. And I did feel like my life was going in the wrong direction. And now that I'm on the other side of that seven or eight years, like I just feel like, man, the life that God is... um, allowing me to be responsible for it is a very nice place uh i'm very happy and i mean i still struggle you know weekly with responsibilities and relationships but like i'm in such a better place a more you know like god says to build your home upon the rock and he is the rock and i feel like it it took a long time to get off those shifting sands I feel like I'm at that place where I am building my house on his rock and it's good to be here. Um, so I, I'm, I'm all on board with, uh, with the trials here. Yeah, that's a good word. I don't have anything to add. Um, yeah. So yeah, Nynaeve, well, well, I will say she does pass all the tests, right? She doesn't fail. Correct. And she does get to become an accepted, um, which is good. I don't think she would be, have been very happy if she had to do like the novice stuff because they have to like sweep floors and do dishes and like all this. Be stuff. Be very and, subservient. Yeah. So um, I'm sure she's happy. She doesn't have to do any of that stuff. So um, yeah. Then we just get some time in the White Tower where like Nynaeve and Egwene are like meeting new people, making some friends. Um, they meet um Min. Min. And uh Elaine, who we met in the Eye of the World. And we also met Min at the Eye of the World as well. Min was I think she was in um the first town. She was in Barillon. I think she was a at one of the taverns. If yep. I remember correctly. And then she has a conversation with Rand personally, but also yep. more Rain, but the, I, I don't think we have the one-on-one with Moraine just kind of like talked about yes her conversation with men but Rand yeah. we actually like go into that conversation and yeah. see it firsthand so both of those characters we have met previously but this is their first time meeting Nynaeve and uh, Egwene I think um, and they all have this weird <clears throat> thing like oh I'm gonna marry Rand yeah, no that's right well, except Nynaeve, but yeah. Yeah, not, Nynaeve's not part of that. She knows yeah. who she loves. But it's Egwene, Men, and Elaine who are all like, oh, I might marry him. It's a love square, not a triangle. <laughs> <laughs> there's three on one. 
Yep. And well, it's if, um, maybe five if you go add Celine. It's a yep. what's that? What's a five-sided object? Penta. Penta. Pentagram. Pentagram. It's a That's pentagram love thing. Oh, so. and then what about Lanfear? Lanfear comes in at the end and is like, he's mine. All these women. Yeah. Randus has something about him, I guess. He did, what could it? What could it be? <laughs> what it's could undeniable. it possibly be? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I thought it was cool to see like just some scenes of them like hanging out, just chatting, um, kind of seeing like what life is like in the in the White Tower, because um, we don't. This is our first time going to the White Tower, so it's cool to see some of that stuff. Um, but uh, at the end of this kind of section here, and this this will be the last thing we do is. Uh, so Leandrin shows up to uh, their room and has uh, Min and Elaine leave. And she talks to Egwene and to Nynaeve and basically tells them, like, hey, Rand and all of your friends are in trouble. They're at Tomon's head. And you need to uh, come with me and you can't tell anybody else where you're going or why you're leaving or anything. Or you can't you have to do it in secret. And we're going to travel to uh, Tomon's head. And I think they go through the ways, right? Yep. And so we got to go and save them. And so they're like, well, I said I can't lie, right? So she has to be telling some semblance of the truth, right? So they decide, let's go. But Min and Elaine are eavesdropping as they do because they want in on everything. <laughs> and so they just decide we're coming to, we don't care what you say. Um, and like whenever they show up, Leandrin's like, I told you to come alone. And they're like, they already knew it's not our fault basically. So they all go through the ways and they come out on the other side at Tomon's head. And Leandrin betrays them. She is a dark friend. She is, not of the red Aja. She is of the black Aja. Yeah. Yep. She supports the dark one. So, which we can kind of see coming because Moraine does not like her at all. And she's well, I kind mean, of, you're, you're built to not like Leandrin Sadai. Yeah. She's a, the show does an exceptionally good job at making you not like Leandrin. <laughs> so, yeah, she's kind of like a, she's like a witch. She just, she seems like she's always mad. Is that does it? Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like, like I feel like that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She. Are you talking about in the book or on the show? Because in the book, I definitely feel that way. I definitely yeah. feel like she like nothing is worth her time. She's always very snippy and like yeah. very imperious. Like you need to do what I'm telling you to do, and you mm-hmm. should have done it ten minutes ago before <laughs> I told you to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. What did you think of, of the betrayal? Do you think it it was? Do you think they were smart to like trust her? I mean, I mean, it's just it was kind so of surprising hard. to me whenever I read it. But I was, I guess, I could kind of understand or like see how that would have happened. But. And you know what? It plays out because she says to someone in Faldara, and we learn that she has like this little mean trick that she can like, I don't know, like. I forget what it was. It was like she could pinch people or like bend their will. And 
she would like learned it as a novice and hmm. anyway she doesn't seem like a very nice character but yeah she told the the one Aes Sedai that um you know the black aja walks the halls of faldara and yep. she was referring to herself um yep. because she is the black aja and yep. so um yeah so we we know so there there it's painted you know like a few chapters before that and then yep. even as they're on their way to the ways she's like if the the black aja would not be gentle with you if they found you to like the two girls like you might you might mm-hmm. not have like lived the night yeah she's speaking the truth again like <laughs> they they are in danger but i mean yep. it's just so hard you're in a new place and you are, you know, the Aes Sedai yeah. are like a trusted, well, people are very leery about Aes Sedai. I don't know. They, they again, they are um, driven by their motivation to help the Emmons fielders and, and to save them and to be there for them. They all choose each other whenever they have the chance. They all want to see good things for each other. And that is the, um, that is a way of manipulating Leandrin Sedai reads that about them and uses it and gets them to capitulate and to come with them. And then, yeah, uh, Elaine is chained and becomes a, um, a leashed one. She becomes a Damani, um, attached to a Suldam. And we'll get to talk about all of the Shan Chan stuff because we didn't talk about any of those things or who those people even are. So, that'll be <clears throat> we'll have to yeah so she becomes a chained one or a leashed one and uh and then fortunately Nynaeve is able to escape uh men is also captured um so yeah that's where that's where leandrin leads them through the ways and they come out the other side and they're met by a sean chan female like captain and mm-hmm. she is the one who takes the uh, possession of the of the two girls with her little yep. entourage of people. Yep. Yeah. So I think Leandrin was probably one of the Aes Sedai at the meeting as well. At, oh yeah, in the, in the mm-hmm. prologue. Because there were there were two Aes Sedai. Two Aes Sedai. Wonder who um, the second I've... one was. We'll have to find out. Yep. We don't know. We don't know. Don't know yet. Um, nope. So we had. Inktar at the meeting. We had Leandrin at the meeting. We had uh, Bors was the uh, the white cloak. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember who else was there, but probably a lot. They of said the there was a Carian in there, um, which is probably a lot of the people that, that were there were uh, characters that we met throughout the story. Yeah. So yeah. Had, so the Carian and uh, we'll talk about. He's a lord. And then I think there were two of them. I think there was a male and a female. But, yeah, those were dark friends um, that yeah. we did get introduced to. They're not, like, just nameless people. Like, he, Robert Jordan yep. <laughs> described them for a reason. Um, yeah, so all of those people are – well, it says specifically – I'm looking at the, the wiki here with a list of the people there. It says, a tinker wearing green pants and a yellow coat. Right, a tinker was there, yep. Yeah, so – I don't think we got to see any tinkers in this book, though. They were only in the first book. But, yes, yes, you're right. Um, more mysteries. There's only hey, there's the 12, twelve other more books, books that... to figure out the <laughs> mysteries. <laughs> right. Yep. 
yes um all right yeah that's gonna uh do it so we're gonna uh wrap it up on this first episode here the next episode we will continue talking about uh the great hunt book two the wheel of time um so we'll pick it up with uh the sean chan stuff and um all the things happening in Karian and the Deus Damar, the great game. Um, we'll get into all of that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, should be, should be a good time. So stay tuned for part two. If you want to hear all that stuff, um, if you want more pages of light content, you can go to our website, pagesoflight.com. You can follow us on social media. We're on YouTube, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Goodreads, all sorts of things. Um, please subscribe to the YouTube channel if you um, would like to see the video version of this podcast as long as, as well as some other videos and stuff uh, that I put out, reviews and s- stuff like that. I'm currently working on a review for Brandon Sanderson's Cytonic, which is uh, his YA book. Actually, I have it right here. Here it is. Cytonic. So if you've read this book, uh, go check it out. Well, check out the review whenever I get it up. Um, this is book three in uh, his young adult series. It's called Skyward. They are up there somewhere. That's my Brandon Sanderson shelf up there. Okay. Um, I thought you were pointing to the sky, like the characters like live in a in a space like that was <laughs> in in our atmosphere, but they could see us, but we couldn't see them. Sorry, that's where my brain went. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is. These are all my f- fiction fantasy books up there. So, so now I get that this means look at the shelves behind me. <laughs> well, I'm pointing at the books, all the books. I, I see. I, I thought see you were pointing to the sky where they live because it said <laughs> the books are in the Skyward. Yeah, um, so. The series is called Skyward. The third book yeah. is called Cytonic. So, got it. <laughs> it's pretty good. So, look for that if you want on the YouTube channel. Uh, you can follow Gabe if you would like at neighborhoodnerdservices.com see what he's doing Um, links for all those things will be in the description um, as well as a link to buy this book here The Great Hunt Um, if you enjoyed this episode and you want to support us please yeah, again head over to YouTube and subscribe it's free and you can also leave us a review on your podcast app if you're listening on the audio version and I think that's it any last uh, last thoughts, Gabe? Nope. I'm just I'm ready for round two. <laughs> yeah, round two. Stay tuned. Uh, it'll be up, you know, sometime after like a week or so after this one is up. So uh, stay tuned for that. All right, that's gonna do it. Thanks for listening or watching. Remember to keep reading and to share the gospel with somebody this week. And we will see you guys in the next episode. See you later.